Hi, and welcome to Telepathic TV. This is television that you watch with your third eye, and I'm R. Neville Johnston. And I'm Mary Phelan, and our program is about raising our consciousness. And tonight we're going to talk about healing consciousness. And, and that's a twofold meaning, uh, healing, the, the consciousness of healing, and the healing of consciousness. And so a lot of people's consciousness tonight. is not necessarily mm -hmm. as healed as it could be. Mm -hmm. Although we're much more advanced than we were <clears throat> hundred years ago. That's a good point. Yeah. But, but if, we, if we begin this thing, or the conversation, with the consciousness of healing, what is a good foundation to have when you go into your own personal healing and healing of other people? Is that our healing is something very personal, and it's not a matter of... Um, feeling like, uh, like I, I, I feel that sometimes on our path, our path of healing, when we reach something that is a breakthrough point for us, we tend to walk away and get distracted by healing everyone else and healing the world. And there does come a time in our healing where we are at that place and it's the right time and the right place. But always look, is, is my desire to hear, heal everyone else an avoidance of healing myself? And I feel everybody walks through that at different times in their life. So it's oh, a good yeah. question to ask. I remember back in probably the mid-80s where those that were involved in the, the healing, um, uh, kind of many, many, many people received a message that was the same message, which was to stop working on other people and work on yourself. Oh, I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's, um, that's um, they could rebroadcast that again because... Uh, there seems to be this um, uh, frenzy of people desiring to find other people to heal without the knowledge that you, before you're going to find those people, you really do have to heal yourself enough to be attractive to other people. Otherwise, you're, you become this kind of psychic bully, where, well, et cetera. But um, uh, this is another one, you know, that people have for so many years asked, is this on my path? Okay, well, there's nothing that's, well, it sounds like that to me as an individual. Okay, there, there's nothing that's not on your path. Anything that happens is your path. And it's implied exactly the same way uh, about healing. There is no possibility of not being on your path to healing. It cannot be done. You are on your way to heal. As they used to say in Rome, all paths lead to your healing. Good, mm -hmm. good, okay. All right, I just wondered Or you can roam around your paths and, <laughs> to healing. And heal. Yeah, so just understand the word grace, the, the idea of the, just the simplicity of it. If, if someone uses the word complicated, they have told you they don't understand it. Because the minute you understand it, it becomes simple. So anything that is simplicity is therefore understood, but not just understood, it is accepted. And as a matter of fact, you don't have to understand it to accept it and allow it. So this idea of grace is penultimate uh, if we are in the process of selecting um, techniques, uh, beingness, by which we become healed. And another one is the word need. As long as you uh, keep sprinkling that little 
landmine of a word, need, into your conversation, you um, prevent yourself from getting whatever it is you, pardon the word, need. Well, it, it just calls, calls um, attention to the gap for sure. Yeah. Well, I, I was, something as you were talking about uh, what you were just saying, I heard that expression, and I believe it might be from the Bible or something, as physician, heal thyself. And what I got was, as long as you see illness in this other person, you still hold it yourself. So yeah, by working well on yourself, ultimately we will get to the point where we no longer recognize a flaw or an illness in any other human being because illness or flaw or faults is really in the eye of the beholder. We are, yeah, yeah. We are beholding those faults. Mm -hmm. And so we get inspired or enticed to go over there and heal. That's not to say that people that are stepping into their healing abilities or starting on their spiritual path, you get very filled with love. You become a conduit of that love and you do wish to go out and assist people and heal the world and all that. And a couple months back we were doing a new moon ceremony and I was in a meditation and we were sending healing to the world, the planet, and it came through so clear and it just made so much sense. It said that that's implying that the earth does not have the power to heal itself. Yeah. Now, does that mean to go littering and pouring toxic waste? No, that means be conscious. But what it is saying is the more we send healing, the more what we're really saying, the subtext is, is that you are sick. And so that consciousness gets sent to whatever that is, whether we're talking about the earth or we're talking about each other. So like in Ho'oponopono ho and many other um, methods of healing, I know a, a friend of ours one time said he had called a Christian scientist minister one time and he did the same thing, facilitated a profound healing for him. And he said, he asked the guy later, what did you do? And he said, all I did was hold your healed state. So there is a thousand stories from a thousand people about how they arrived at this realization. But the bottom line is the more sickness you see, the more sickness there will be, and the more love you see, the more love there, there will be. And it's not just esoteric and magical. It's literally, what am I going to empower in this person? Do I see the, the healed state or not? So our path, our role as healer is really being elevated and raised in consciousness. And we are now being asked to no longer even be on the frequency band where we can see the illness. But that first must mean that we go and clear it out from ourselves because we can only see what is within us. So, physician heal thyself, I guess. Yeah, excellent. Uh, you and I and many of us here on the planet are well ahead of the curve many, many years ahead of the curve. And the, during the treatise you were just laying down, I realized that um, the book, Eleven Self-Empowerment Protocols, a particular book, uh, is for a much more advanced place than we are at now because the premise of the book states that our um, healing has to come from within us as opposed to expecting someone else to come in here and uh, you know, bludgeon whatever microbe it is. That the whole, all of the protocols are designed to make you the guru, which is of course G U R U. Uh, this concept of 
being able to first, well, I as an individual, if there's something upsetting me, I immediately seek counsel uh, within myself. I seek counsel with um, angels, with uh, spirit guides, uh, directly from uh, Om, uh, directly from uh, the, the various things that we practice. The, uh, I managed to uh, knock a nice hole in my shin and uh, I immediately did sekim on myself. There wasn't, um, there, there may have been 30 seconds or three seconds or something. Well, I went, oh, gee, I just really knocked a hole in my shin. And, a bump, uh, not a hole, right? Yeah, <laughs> a lump, whatever that okay. is. But <laughs> This was a neat image. Yeah, so uh, just virtually immediately, I did sekim on it within a few minutes. Um, well, Just so you're making such a powerful yeah. point yeah. about not to believe in it, to let, uh, the more we believe, because if you look at a child, they fall down and they look around and say, am I supposed to cry? And if mm -hmm. people look worried or concerned, then the pain actually increases and it, it grounds whatever happens. Uh, yeah, so the, just the, the, I now call it the Protocols book, which is what I, I would, uh -huh. it would have been titled the third language codes book because it really is about language and building immune system to fear and uh, this idea of uh, seeking your counsel. So the first protocol in the book is to, when you wake up in the morning, uh, claim your power. We, we were saying this 20 years ago, literally 20 mm -hmm. years ago, I claim my power. Well, people don't. People don't. They do, well, the opposite. And so to be in a position to heal yourself is quintessentially calling your power. Yeah, and mm -hmm. so now, and then once you get good at this, once you get to the point where um, you're uh, able to think this way as opposed to supporting it, that it is who you are, I am my power, then you're more, you've got enough experience that you can remind someone else of this. And basically the reason we get sick is to get well. And then once we've had a particular sickness, then we can remind someone else to be well again. And so this is, as we said, many years ahead of the uh, learning curve of our planet. Mm -hmm. Well, I think a lot of the, a lot of the things much. were definitely fifteen or twenty years ahead of ahead of the the, the thing. Yeah. And I think that we talked about beliefs creating your reality and dot mm -hmm. dot dot for so long, and then we moved into a more grounded approach because you can only get so high as the amount of sandbags you have in your hot air balloon, and so you have to go back. And in the ancient mystery schools, they talked about the J-hook to get to the higher point. You have to go down in order to go up. And so as much out there as you can get with magical thinking, you can only go so far until you go back from, for the parts of you that were left scattered by beliefs and experiences. And so it's very important. Something else I would like to mention that I've heard a number of times, and this is not meant as a critical thing at all, but I have heard a number of energy healers as they're working or talking about doing a session with someone 
where they refer to the healing work as removing debris or garbage off the person or negativity. I would really say, and this is something I teach in Sekim as well, that there is no part of us that is debris or garbage or anything, that what we are doing is just releasing things. And it might be a better way of saying that because I think it makes people afraid to be vulnerable when things about them are articulated as garbage or debris. And that's really the only thing we as healers are doing is making it safe and giving the, and holding the space enough for people to feel safe, to step out of old thinking and thinking that kept them limited and pinned down into limiting ideas and beliefs and step into a more expansive state where they're more accepting of the, themselves and everything around them. So creating that safe space and not making anyone wrong. And I know I might get into words with people over this occasionally, but it never works when we make each other wrong. It just doesn't work. All you do is get engaged in wrong and right. And when we are in the battle between right and wrong, it's like Rumi said, there exists a field outside of the land of right doing and wrong doing. I'll meet you there. And until we can go out there, every experience we have thrust us into the land of measurement where we have a good marble and a bad marble and every experience is then evaluated and we drop the marble into the bin that we've, we've judged it to be and we never go past that. So as long as we're judging the illness as being bad or good, uh, we're, we're still in that world of fighting and I really feel it stems back to that original premise. Either we choose that we live in a safe universe or that we're safe within the universe. And as long as we believe that we're safe within the universe, we're always going to be combating something and defending something else. If we live in a safe universe, the war is over. And that's what healing is, the war being over. There's always two warring factions behind every illness and condition that we have. Yeah, and the particular techniques by which we alleviate ourselves from this habit of thinking that we find ourselves in, uh, the habits that uh, keep us from our ascension, the thought habits that uh, keep us paralyzed, um, our ability to transmute our consciousness is rendered inert by these techniques of um, uh, fear, doubt, worry, guilt, uh, angst, insecurity, wh whatever words we're going to use uh, to describe this um, lack of wholeness, this lack of co connection to lack would do the word, uh, but to, to be connected, to realize that you are part of the big picture, to realize that any other person you ever will have met is you, just an aspect of you, and that if it's um, it's something that uh, appears to be a street person or whatever that is, something that appears dangerous. Uh, all, that, all that is is aspects of you. That's the reason we love the homeless is that uh, all of us are afraid we may become homeless. If we see a homeless person, then we can love that person because that's the one that had the chutzpah to agree to deal the cards in such a way that they end up homeless. Okay, you've got to salute and love that part of you. And that's a major step towards healing. Well, and also the choice that, that this evaluation that one type of experience is superior to another 
is yeah. what causes this whole feeling of fear about one experience being worse than the other, when in actuality we learn what we came here to learn and whatever experience we choose and they're all equal, they're all neutral, none is better or worse than the other and I think there's the liberation point. What, um, I was looking in um, the, my Mary's Magical Message cards oh, because good. of something you were saying earlier mm -hmm. and it reminded me, uh, this card says, trust your heart's knowing right now, seek the deep counsel of your own experience. Yeah. And I think that that is so powerful when we do that, when we seek that inner counsel. Yeah, and that technique alone. Mm -hmm. If the first person you go to for advice is you, you're living on a different planet than what's been going on around here. If you seek you, if it's self-empowerment that is the technique by which you can, okay, uh, then, then we can all do something else. We can, we can um, you know, I've always said that um, palmistry uh, in the world I would live in would be a high school elective, wouldn't be required an elective, mm -hmm. so that everybody could figure out that is the circuit there, that is my circuit diagram, that is who I am, that is the configuration. If you can read that, you can figure me out. You want to see another version of it? There. This is another version of who I am. The face is mapped perfectly by the brain the allotment of the various parts of the face correspond to allotment in the cerebrum. Uh, this part does this, this part does that, there you have it on the face, uh, you know, etc. If this stuff was common knowledge, that anybody that went to college after high school, that you'd, you'd have a strong enough base in high school, you could take advanced versions of these things, but it would really be only to make you a better poker player. Which could well, be another the, whole world. The automatic writing that I got a number of years back about the the um, signatures on the palm that as reflects uh, healing in our life. I think there are so many things we can tie to the palm and to aspects of us, and really, ver ultimately, everything in our life is a clue that we have left behind to show us who we really are. And if we ignore some clues, if we get afraid of other clues, if we dismiss other clues, if we embrace only certain types, well, we're not getting a clear picture of who we are. But there are so many paths to your healing. My personal approach is that in this physical reality that our experiences form our beliefs, yes, but our experiences also form our emotional body. How we interpret our experiences through our beliefs form imprints in our emotional body. And those imprints in our emotional body are like short circuits when there are things that traumatize us in that moment of shock, the moment of fear, whatever it is. It leaves a short circuit in our system. So then when we go out into the world, anything can come at us and we're going to arc. We're gonna, we're gonna spark with that. So let's say you were teased relentlessly about your elbow when you were a kid. And so you've got a funny elbow, whatever that was that you were teased over. And so you get to the place when you, where you go through therapy and you say, okay, I've come to some forgiveness of those people, those were kids. But yet you go out of there in the world and someone is complimenting your elbow or someone just mentions the word elbow and you get this violent reaction within your own body and you scream at that person and, and you get very inflamed. Well, it has never, that kind of anger, anger never has anything to do with the moment. 
Just bet on it, bank on it. It always is about our history. All war is based on our history, never our present. So if we go back and we heal the short circuits in our physical, um, our, our individual emotional body and collective emotional body, all of this stuff that we are attempting to fight or change or shift or heal will go away. It's like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. If we write the foundation and fix the, the bricks in the foundation, the whole structure will upright. And it's a lot easier than going there and tearing each brick out and relaying it or putting uh, shims, is it shims or Shim, shims, yeah. um, in there to straighten uh, uh, random bricks. All we have to do is, is heal the structure. And so healing is actually very easy. We also think that the injury is quick and the, illness, uh, the recovery and the healing is very long and drawn out. But in actuality, since all healing stems from an out of balance state that usually is traced to our emotional body, the path of cause can always be traced to our emotional body, that that was a long time in coming. The illness or the injury was a long time in coming. And the remedy can be very quick and immediate. As long as you follow this very simple premise, it can change the world. And I have seen many cases of miraculous healing right before my eyes, hundreds, thousands of times, many thousands of times. You want to tell some of the Sekim stories? Uh, well, that's kind of a different uh, path of going, but... Well, the healing, but, if that's but, the theme. Yeah, well, I, I was talking about that, that type of healing, the emotional body, but mm -hmm. this Sekim as well. Um, one of the primary things that, that I teach in Sekim, which is what I just said about the injury is a long time right, coming right. and the healing is instantaneous, what you're really doing when you're helping someone heal is holding the possibility of an immediate miraculous healing because people don't heal immediately and miraculously because they can't believe that that's possible. So really, you're just healing the belief. So there are many stories. Like there is one, this couple that we love very much, they had gone through Sekim, and I say that when you, at the immediate moment of the injury, don't buy into it. And I just say, I don't believe in you. And I have done things that you could definitely, if I had allowed them to continue, in, in a certain realm, there would have been a broken bone or something more serious. At the moment of impact, it's like, I don't believe in that. I, it didn't happen. And so if your consciousness doesn't hold that, it doesn't continue its ripple. And so the best healing is immediate, which is what we do in Sikhi. Oh, yeah, very much. And we have a caller. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? It, it's Rita. Rita, Hi, Rita, what can we do for you? Well, I have a question about, I have a plantar fasciitis in, mm -hmm. in one of my feet, and it's been with me for a couple of months, and you were talking about the healing comes from within yourself, and I just wondered if you had any ideas of how I can go about healing that, because uh, it's left, been a persistent yeah. problem. Left Is, foot or right foot? Right foot. Okay. Well, this is about your path, because it's your foot, right? My path or Path, path. Okay. 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 The right foot is about the male energy path, and the left foot, therefore, the female energy path. So there's something about the male path that's uh, causing you pain. Hmm. So the male uh, energy is that um, uh, directness of the male, of the just do it of the male, the um, idea of the taking care of things. 
uh, and the female attributes there, which are nurturing, so forth and so on. Uh, so then there is some position you're finding yourself in where you are to take steps on your male path, but for whatever reason, and I use the word but sparingly always, um, yet there's something that's holding you back from taking uh, the initiative that would be the male part of thing. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Well, yes, well and, and also, the, um, it, it, correct me if I'm, if I'm not correct, but okay. is, isn't there a lot of pain when you step down on your foot? Okay, so if we look at that as being um, the, the path seems pretty hard, like you're not getting supported, okay. I, I would look at that as well as what Neville's saying, and I think you're, you're very right. Sometimes it's put, putting your foot down, mm -hmm. like maybe there's a resistance to putting your foot down or feeling like if you speak oh, out in a, in a yang way yeah. that you're not going to be supported, um, okay. like in, yeah, in speaking up about something. Down. And I, and I would also say what had occurred two weeks ago, or, or however long you've had it, was there something that had been going on for a few months prior to that leading up to then? Um, a lot of health issues that I was trying to deal with, but not really anything that looked as if it required more directness by me. Okay. Or well, one thing I would consider if there were health issues, sometimes if we look back in our history, when if there was a time when you didn't feel that people were there for you when you needed them, uh -huh. let's say. Yes. So now if you're having health issues, it could raise that um, older uh -huh. emotional body that, oh no, I am not being supported and I have to do it myself or mm -hmm. um, everybody's expecting too much of me and I'm not feeling well and I have to put my foot down for boundaries. Right, uh, I got that. That, okay. that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I need to do is really Think about that and go to the root of the problem, mm -hmm. and then it will heal itself. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Yeah, or, or the remedy will come to you. What were you going to say, Neville? When I was in high school, I had the planter's wart, uh, which is what you called it in those days. And I thought it was some subdermal, uh, like a splinter or something. I so I was working on my foot with a pair of pliers, and Dad walks in and goes, <laughs> What are you doing? And I said, Well, my foot hurts. And he said, Go to the doctor now. And I would still say, have, now, what happened was in those days, what they did was anesthetize your foot and remove the section of skin and then um, destroyed the virus with um, some charming little device. Cauterization and, or something? Yeah. Now, there is still identifiable on the bottom of my foot a place where the skin was removed. And it was removed so thoroughly that the original grain never copied itself. So since you can read the entire bottom of the foot, there's like a little section of mystery which is on the bottom of my foot, which I think is very intriguing to me now. And so, but Rita, I would say to go and have that taken care of that way uh, because the, the spirit end of it, and see what, the, what happened to Dad was he thought, oh, he'll burst that and then it'll spread through the system, which I wouldn't want to see. So I would uh, suggest though, well, that you do do well, that. Fasciitis is is, is a yeah. This is a it's the fascia of the foot that yeah. is oh. irritated and inflamed, and, and it gets very oh, painful see. as yeah. you step yeah. on it. So. But but either way, even if 
we get to the root cause. And you yeah. tie whatever the illnesses that came prior, which is really what I think the real issue is, mm -hmm. and, and how that makes you feel, okay. and a time in your history, perhaps, that, that you, you felt like either, either abandoned or not yeah. supported right. or whatever. Right. Um, or if there was a male that had a lot of illness before, and like if you had your father and you were very close and he was ill and passed or something and there was a lot of old pain over that. These are uh -huh. sorts of things that I would suggest since we don't have a lot of time um, to go right. into it and uh, all right. that. I would look in those areas and then once you do, the remedy will come and if the remedy is going to the doctor or whatever, it'll show up. But, oh, I see. Okay. Um, but most yeah. of the time, you don't have to go through the remedy. Mm -hmm. It's just if our belief system contains the remedy, that mm -hmm. is the miraculous healing. It's mm -hmm. just in a format we can understand. Well, yeah, thank you both well, so thank much. You. I don't want to sure. take any more oh, of your time. Well, thank you, Rita. Thank you so no, it was much. lovely to have you call in. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Um, Rita, thank you. We'd love to hear from you, and please to call back yeah, whenever you Yeah, any time. We'd love to talk to you. And I understood the, um, I had misunderstood that because of the planter was what I'd uh, well, that's, right, that's so the a region of your foot right there, um, um, right at the bottom, like right in there. Yes, yeah, so I had understood, um, and the, the word um, fascia was um, in the auspices of people that tissue. do rolfing, if I remember the mm -hmm. word. So, uh, really, you might consider finding somebody that does rolfing. Um, also, which is uh, another yeah, well, method of approaching it. It's also just an inflammation, not just, uh -huh. but it is an inflammation of that fascia is what holds us together. If you take away our skin, and uh, it's what holds oh, the muscles never. together. And so it really is this unconscious, invisible support system mm -hmm. that over time can become very rigid or become non-supportive of us or inflamed. So if your support system is inflamed, it could also be anger at a support system, which could be a job of a family member. But uh, or a male. Call? Yeah. No. Okay. Okay. So, pardon? Oh, are we doing that? Oh, okay. good. We're going to look at Neville's new So, pain. Uh, many, many, many years ago, I began doing what I called multi faces, and uh, my current exploration of art has taken me back to that very place. And you can see, uh, as Mary was saying, this is extremely thought-provoking as a painting goes. This was my... The three faces of Bert, Bill. Three, <laughs> three faces of Jamie, whatever that is. Uh, at any rate, um, da -dun 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 -dun. oh, so uh, in the inception of this particular multi-face, I did uh, the idea of a male and female and other, the three. So the, uh, obviously the beard, the goatee is the male, the center face is the female, and the one furthest right would be other, non-specific. Okay, now in the dynamic that this sets up, and this is just the artist's observation and having done this, which makes it another story, but it keeps you going round and round, and then I had to choose non-gender specific costume, or at least I, I set up that premise in it, the non-gender specific uh, clothing, and um, which is something I would wear, which I thought made it non-gender specific, but okay. Now, when I began doing these, and I think that was early 80s where I began doing multi-faces, it wasn't too far 
out of school. Uh, and, and now I, I just keep having breakthroughs every time I turn around in the art world, which is very productive to me. And so in the 80s, I produced hundreds of uh, multi-face paintings, all of which are gone. I couldn't find anywhere, anyone anywhere. All just gone. They were sold. Um, they just left. Okay, that's fine. They were, for whatever reason, very popular. And then the, the uh, idea that, um, <coughs> um, you go ahead, just, okay. So the. I, I didn't, I just was looking okay. to help you out there. Uh, in the original epic of multi-faces, I found a photograph in a book of um, pre-Columbian art, which means it was the time of the Mayan before they collapsed. And there was a piece of pottery done with a multi-face. I thought, oh, yeah, there you go, nothing new under the sun. That I had thought I had coined the idea that it was my creation because it just was born out or of... Or Three Faces of Eve, I think that would have been a good book cover. Yeah, just out of the... Well, uh, I, I would like to make a quick comment about sure. the painting before we move on, and I know they wanted to show your other painting as well. Mm -hmm. um, is there a way to get it another uh, switch back to the painting? If not, um, I'll just abandon it. Um, it's something that I... I'll just uh, take a second, I think. Yeah, well, we the one thing that I thought was interesting, I know you were making the other being the one on the left as you look at the painting, yeah. but really that, that one in the center would be more of the other because it's just so compelling with the brown eye and the blue eye. That would be so um, perfect as other. And it mm -hmm. is the blend of the male and the female. So you may consider your next one yeah. making the center be the other because, um, the, I, but I get what you were doing. You were doing a graduation from um, that. But if you look at the, the center one, I, I just find that so entrancing. The eyes, they're looking, they're so in common, but yet they're so different. Yeah, and the expression is different on all three faces uh -huh. with the contiguous yeah. eyes. So the eye in one place has one expression and then the next face over, yes. that same eye has a different expression. Yes. Like, for instance, the brown eye to the right, as you look at it, uh, of the center face, it looks very, if you take it in the context of the center face, it looks very compassionate. It almost looks concerned as it gazes off into the distance. Then you look at the face on the right, the male face, and you look at that eye, and it looks kind of suspicious or intent or defensive and yeah. confrontational. Yeah. So you're exactly right. I, I, and, yeah. and then you take the eye to the left in the other face, and it looks like it's, it's really contemplating or focusing furrowed mm -hmm. brow. Mm -hmm. So very, very well done, Neville. So the same well eye done. is in a different place depending on which face you're choosing to perceive. Mm -hmm. But the same eye, which does not change, moves the way it looks. I know, that's yeah. my whole point. And yeah, I, just, I was just saying. No, 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 yeah. I'm, not, I'm just saying it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I love it. I'm, I'm really looking forward to your next one. And yeah. we're going to do the other one now. Oh, the other painting. This, is, um, this has been on the show before, and it's uh, called Orwellian Times. And uh, what this painting, which I had framed, it cleaned up really well. I'm quite impressed. Um, is a pastel. And uh, we were uh, discussing a little bit pre-production when we were all kids. A camera was a very rare thing. 
maybe at the beach, Dad would take pictures of the family on the old wind-up Kodak and process of film, so forth and so on. So uh, as the cameras became more sophisticated and as they became digital, absolutely everyone has a camera on them all the time. And everyone is taking a picture of everything. So these are snap fish, you know, the, so to speak, the <laughs> idea of taking pictures of everything all the time, which changes the reality that we live in because uh, somebody can be taking a picture of you. So uh, I saw on the internet, and I think it was an ad for something, uh, but this teacher was about to break bad on this child for being uh, irreverent. And you know, I can understand the teacher's point of view, and I understand the child's point of view, but when he was just getting upset, everybody started to film him, and he suddenly washed over in you know, a completely different persona than what had happened. And so uh, just the power of the photograph, you know, they say a pin is mightier than the sword. Well, the camera is a lot mightier than the pin. Well, do you remember Lisa talking about that she used to put a mirror low down and so when a kid would start crying, she'd say, um, go look in the mirror and they'd look at themselves cry and they would stop immediately. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, very, very different thing. So that is our society as a whole, the Orwellian times. The other aspect in it was that there's far more color in our world today mm -hmm. than there ever was before. And the, so the fish are very colorful and they're taking pictures. And so that is a statement at the onset of the 21st century mm -hmm. uh, as to who it is we're becoming. Because it's set in a cityscape, but there's no population, just the pictures and the colors. Yeah, interesting all the way around. Yeah, very good. Well, that's very, very wonderful and very yeah. inspiring, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, I really do like that. Yeah, so I'm going to be at Art in the Park on the 19th and 20th of October, which is up in Annapolis. Annapolis. Yeah, and you can more than likely find that on the web. But I'll well, be we'll one post of the, more information yeah. as the time gets closer mm -hmm. and as we find it out ourselves. Mm -hmm. That would be good, yeah, it would be lovely to see you. Yeah. Well, I think art is very healing since we're talking about art. I know when I, I have always done, uh, as a small child I would draw and um, I, I loved painting myself. I'm nowhere near the artist as you are. I mean, you oh, really you. are a, a great, wonderful artist. But I did not paint for many years because I knew that I wasn't some great artist. So I, I remember the moment of profound freedom and liberation when I realized it's not the, the, the end result of the painting that I was going for, it was the joy of doing the painting yeah. and it totally liberated me and I found that I've produced many, many works of art in various forms ever since because mm -hmm. I, I did that. So I would offer that to whoever else. And so we were talking about healing and you were mentioning Sekim before we started this and, and one of the reasons stories. I love Sekim and I call mm -hmm. that the master healing energy because mm -hmm. it really is the healing energy behind all things. Uh, I love that and I love the tapping and the uh, pattern, brain, brain pattern remapping and I, I love the, the combination of the two because they really work wonderfully and then for the mind as our consciously creating your life. And so each layer um, gives another approach to, to your healing. And remember, all healing is is the removal of something. It's never the insertion of something. 
because our natural healed state, our divine blueprint, is always present. And so if an injury happens, it is a belief, it is a force that, that puts a separation between something. And so what we're really doing is facilitating the release and the, the, uh, of the belief or the impact or whatever. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> that if we are feeling compelled to save the world, and we've all been there, certainly I've been there. When I started on my spiritual path, I just felt compelled to go heal people. And you can see this in, maybe not in the form of healing people, but coming on the show. I, I really had to do away with a good percentage of my material life in order to do this because it was not a popular thing to sit on TV and talk about this stuff 10, 14 years ago when I started. And it got a lot of people to leave and, and walk away from me as if I were a leper. People are more conscious now, and I do think in a large part we have contributed to that, whether it's recognized Without or not doubt. recognized. I do yeah, feel that, no that that's the case. But our, our spiritual path, if you look at any, any fundamentalist or radical um, end of a spectrum, it's all because people want to convert each other into their belief systems. They feel impassioned about it. And so there's a growth that comes after that where we're more inclusive of the whole thing. Well, the Crusades, for example, is absolutely that same exact concept. Mm -hmm. We have to convert people that don't understand the way things really are mm -hmm. as we understand the way things really are. Okay, and this is, at least people are not being killed, but it is that same, as you were just saying, that... Uh, well, killed is a, a subjective just definition, too. Yeah. I think... But, uh, uh, you know, and it's... Uh, well, everything's the way it's supposed to be, well, and that's what we hang on to. Yeah, you well, know, well what I'm saying is, concept. the uh, like I've said many thousands of times on the show, that mm -hmm. belief systems are hallways, they're not rooms. They're hallways we pass through, not rooms we stay in and, and lock the door. Because whenever we get rooted into that, and you could also look at them like bubbles. Belief systems are bubbles. And whole worlds of belief systems can exist in there. And when we're in it, it seems like infin infinity. And then we have an epiphany moment where that world shatters and we are in an expanded state of awareness. And then we think that is the universe. But the more worlds you can break and open up to a bigger world, the better. The more you, the more um, you can hold within you, the bigger you become. And so that's the way to go, not to get more rigid and to shut things out. That's never the right way. I mean, you're never going to, not right or wrong, but it's not the way of growth. It's the way of protection. Now, what I would like to do, as they are, um, I want. I would like to remember to give readings to um, our lovely friends and. England. London, I believe, mm -hmm. and I thought her name was Tanya, but I think I got your name wrong, so please pardon me. That was just the name on the email, and I know you signed it through a different name, and I just didn't, in my writing of it, I put my notebook away. So I'll do yours first and your roommate's second. But should we wait till after the duck? Is it going to be quick? I mean, yeah, yeah. the duck is on its way. And can you pull a painting, a card on oh, the face? Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to. Actually, both. And here is our dangler extraordinaire. Okay. And here come the All duck. right. And the cards are from Mary's messages. Okay. And I got new directions at work. Aim high, decide, and allow the greatness to come to you. Don't settle for something you do not want. 
Call someone you have a hard time expressing yourself to and allow your heart to speak. Yes, so take either or both or neither, whatever resonates with you. And thank you for the magnificent three. duck dangling there. Yes. Okay, so the first reading I'll do, and I know if you've called in, please do hold. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, is for Tanya, or like I just expressed. So, okay, so the first card we get is brilliance. And the thing is, is we are so readily attacking of ourselves that we don't even see how brilliant we are. Mm -hmm. This card comes to say, look at some of the gifts and talents, not just your desires and what's been motivating you and pushing you along, but look at where you really shine. Like when, when you do something, you just get into the flow and you're not judging it because that's showing you your way. And I feel like there is a recognition coming to you that is long, long due. The seagull talks about if there are emotional situations or if you're around people or work with people that might have a different consciousness, that be like the seagull. The seagull can land on the water and actually float on it, but then it can fly away on a dime as well. And so if you keep yourself between those worlds rather than getting bogged down here or getting sucked into upper air currents, that's a good place to, for, for you to be right now. It's a wonderful place. Now the koala bear it sleeps 16 to 18 hours a day. And the koala bear is telling you to get more sleep and to let yourself really have that wake up period where you commune with yourself and get your wisdom and insight. And that maybe look at some things in your diet that might that be preventing you. That is the world's you. cutest koala bear. Thank you. Yeah. It really is. See, I, I, I guess I, I do my... It's a great artist also. Uh, yeah, well, some things are better than others. I've got a different um, well, art program now, inside. so it's better. Yeah. Uh, but I am, I am doing a lot nicer things now, actually. Okay. So now your friend or your partner, I will do that, and then we will be done with those. And then the caller, we will take you right after this. This is our other friend from London who's going to replay this at another time. They can't call in because it's in the middle of the night, I believe, for them. So this is talking about taking a breather. You know those all comfy, easy chairs that you sit in and you've got your reading lamp and you surrender to the book, you surrender to the dream of the book and, and yourself. This is saying to create some space like that for you. I almost feel like you may have had a hard time with people judging you or feeling like you fit in or something in certain areas of your life and that may have made you a little defensive or, or firm on certain parts of your boundaries. And what this is saying is all that is so far behind you and just relax and it, you're not going to have any more of that influence. Messages from Spirit, it's a girl coming up out of a chimney and catching a letter coming down from the heavens and this is saying that there are messages from Spirit happening all the time and I actually see a feather flying around you and landing at your feet so pay attention to the messages <coughs> in whatever form they come in and that there is a female in Spirit that's around you that, that wants you to know that they're there for you and the whale is about uh, entering into the hall of record of all that ever was or will be uh, is recorded in a database. Everything we do, everything we heal in ourselves becomes in, available for anybody that comes after us to heal even easier. So maybe share some of this with other people. So thank you. All right. And Excellent. do we have a call? 
Yes, hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hey, this is Tom. 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 Our Tom or a different Tom? Yes, your Tom. Oh, yay. Good to hear from you. Excellent. Yeah. It's been a long um, time. Can I get a reading? Sure. All right, I'm going to hang up and listen on the TV. Okay, thanks. All right. Everybody got excited in the control room, too, Tom. So we love to hear from you. It's good to hear your voice. All right, the first card we get is uh, meditation. And this is, this is a, a, a labyrinth. And the labyrinth is designed to look at it and walk through it. And you, enter the, you get to the center, and then you go back out. And it's this never-ending path. So if you have five square feet, in your house and you put a labyrinth there, you've converted it into hundreds and thousands and infinite number of miles because you can walk without stopping endlessly. And so it's about morphing our reality and seeing things differently and doing different things with same old things. So perhaps uh, that, that could be applied to many areas of your life. The flow is talking about getting into the flow. It can be the you know, cash flow, it can be the flow of love, it can be the flow of life and the ever-changing scenery on the side. But whatever it is, it's saying that if something's flowing, then it is alive, and if it isn't, then it's not alive. And so we want to keep things moving, and maybe it's time to loosen up and get some things flowing in your life. The buffalo is the ancient symbol of abundance. From our, uh, from our beloved first people. And that is something that we, we can uh, see this. And um, our abundance is something that we also have to take care of. If we annihilate our, uh, our source of abundance through fear or doubt or worry or guilt, then we cut off our own supply. So this is saying that there's an abundance for you. So look at it, take it, because there's plenty to go around. So thank you. All right. So, do we have another call? Great. Hi, caller. No? Yes. yes. Hi, caller. What's your name, please? Hi, this is Edith. Hi. Edith. What can hey. we do for you? Um, I'd just like a reading from Mary, and I'll hang up. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I'll pull one from each deck and an affirmation card from the Chakra Affirmation deck. I really love the blue on the back of that. Okay, the first card is romance. And romance is a state of mind. It's not something about having a partner or the other person. It's that the other person inspires in you this soft, you know, like uh, when there's a filming of a TV show where they put the Vaseline on the camera and it looks very, f like, romantic and fuzzy or candlelight. It's like our consciousness becomes like that when we fall in love. And so romance is the byproduct of that outpouring and that relaxation of our defenses and everything. And it's not really ever rooted in that other person per se. So romance is a state of consciousness. So you can allow that to come into your life and soften yourself with that love and it will be amazing at what comes forward and comes through. Now this is an otter and, and he's saying I otter get out of the water now. <laughs> But otter is traditionally about play and female energy and having fun. And otters are really cute little beings. They love to dart in and out and play. And it's, it's like, why be serious? I can get a lot more done by being playful. So the romance and the playfulness is saying maybe drop some things that have been tying you down a little bit or bogging you down and get back out there in the world. And the third card is an, from the Chakra Affirmation set. 
and it's the third eye chakra. And these are affirmations that actually act as remedies for maybe an unconscious program you didn't even know you had. Um, okay, I don't have a close-up on it now, so I can't read it, so I'm going to turn around. And this one says, my timing is perfect. I live peacefully within divine time. So I would su suggest to you to uh, write that down or maybe replay this later and write it down that, that, you, um, that your timing is perfect and that I live peacefully within divine time. And that's a very healing statement for you. And anybody listening to this that want to see Neville's paintings, and you're listening to this as a podcast, you can always go to telepathictv.com and view it so you can see. Yeah. And no more? It connects to a site where the art's displayed. Is there time to do one affirmation for everyone out there? Uh, sure, and one for the... Uh, oh, yes. Oh, let's do that first. Okay. Um, sh you want an affirmation or...? Um, cards, I was thinking. Okay, so we have a quick minute. We don't... Okay, so this is for the multi-phase. We'll do one of these. Uh, apparently that one wanted to come too. So it's about balance. It's funny. Because uh -huh. well, it is. Because the real balance of any duality is the trinity and their three faces. So that makes sense. And then dear, gentleness. Um, which is, being gentle is not a weak thing. And it's only if we view it as a weak thing in the um, Mary's magical message is step out of the drama, journey into the silence of your center, let go of a, any attachment to outcomes. Your silence will transmute it all. Excellent. So if I look at that, I would say it's about balancing your gentleness. And mm -hmm. if you and, and the painting is really illustrating this. It's got the intensity of the yang going to the yin, going to the balance of the two. Interesting. Okay, and then um, just that one? Oh, you can do Orwellian times if you wish. Okay, we well, how about if we do a chakra affirmation for that sure. one, since we've done Orwellian. It's crown chakra. Everything is unfolding perfectly. I surrender to the divine. Oh, that fits perfectly. Okay, two minutes, and this is for everybody out there. It's the third eye chakra. I recognize my intuition and trust what it reveals to me. Oh, yeah. That, if we were saying some months ago, whenever we were talking about that, if there was a single lesson for the planet Earth, it is for people to hear and act upon their intuition. Mm -hmm. Because perhaps the single biggest misstatement is, I knew that. Uh, you didn't know it. Well, you knew it, but you didn't act on it. Go ahead. I did it for your Orwellian times, and it's brilliance and seahorse. And seahorse, the male seahorses actually are very nurturing and take care of the young. So it's talking about nurturing your male side or your yang side and mm -hmm. seeing your brilliance. And that certainly is a painting of brilliance oh, and, um, and nurturing uh, all sides of you, mm -hmm. protecting yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, works very well. Mm -hmm. Well. So the healing, all roads lead to your healing. Mm -hmm. Just relax. Beautiful, beautifully said. There's no, uh, you know, they say the human race as though someone's going to win the race. Yeah, or no, lose just, the race. <laughs> yeah, just calm down. Just allow everything to flow. The more you allow, the less you manipulate. The less you manipulate, the less fear, doubt, worry, guilt, etc., is in your life. Mm -hmm. The more you manipulate, the more of those processes are. That's right. So since everything is... There's in, no finish line. There's yeah. no race. So since it's in Trinities, it's manipulate, allow, or recognize the divine 
intelligence and everything. It was our joy and honor to take you to the door, and, and brilliantly said, no. And you're going through the door, whether you're in the mood or not. Mm -hmm. So just go ahead and go through just the door go. so you can get on to the next thing ah. rather than the resistance. Mm -hmm. the and pay attention to your dreams. There's great messages coming through them. Learn your symbolic.